before we get too lost in the sauce, we should sync up. <laughs> yes, let's okay. sync. Do you want to start, Tanner? Or do you want me to start? I will start off with a one. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. It's like I never okay. stopped. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like riding a bike. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now As we riff the show Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out Why we love this show Better grab your golden stars and slushies Cause you're listening You're listening To loser like me Loser like me And welcome to Loser Like Me, a Glee recap and review podcast. My name is Christina, and I had a dream once. I'm Tanner, and I I, I don't dream anymore. I just sleep. <laughs> I'm Vigil, and I had a dream last night, and it was scary. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! A dream isn't what you want. A dream is the thing that makes you happy, or whatever the fuck he said. <laughs> Oh, we'll get to that. Also, everyone, hey, Vigil's here. Say hi, Vigil. Hi, Vigil. <laughs> classic joke. Every, everybody laughs at that shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's very classic. <laughs> okay. So, Vigil, would you like to kind of tell the listeners about whatever experiences you have had that are relevant to Glee or musical theater or choir or existing around people who have dreams, I guess. <laughs> I think my sister watched watched Glee. I, I yeah. remember seeing bits and pieces of the of the of the gosh darn TV show that we're talking about today. Do you remember any of it? Because I'm curious to see what's stuck in your head. I remember that halfway through, uh, my sister was really into the Harry Potter musical and Star Kid and all that. <sighs> And I was my by people. proxy. And then that guy got onto the show. Mm-hmm. And that was exciting. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know much else about that. I was in choir in elementary school and I had a solo or two. Nice. That's rad. It didn't really, you know, make me have any dreams about going into showbiz. <laughs> I more dreamed about being a lawyer because I played like half of the first Phoenix Wright game. And I was like, oh, it's going to be just like that. anyway anyway today we have witnessed uh glee season one episode 19 dream on it aired on may 18th 2010 Mm -hmm. it was written by brad falchuk and directed directed by by acclaimed shithead joss whedon joss fucking whedon and i gotta say if this episode left me with anything it's the I already knew this, but just reaffirmation that Joss Whedon is a hack. <laughs> yeah. So, in fun fact, in I watched the behind the Glee, like behind the scenes video that's on the Glee wiki for this episode. The Glicky. <laughs> See, they never <laughs> made that leap, call- but yes, it is the Glicky. They should have called themselves the Glicky. They should have, but they didn't reach far enough. But in this behind the scenes video, since it was shot in, you know, either 2009 or 2010, depending on when it was filmed. 
Pretty sure J- this was in 2010. Okay, so it was in 2010, and Joss Whedon is clean shaven and has hair on top of his head, which oh. looks really weird. <laughs> what? No, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. He's born bald. I shit you not. It is that is what happened, and also and also the entire thing was. His his entire segments in the behind the scenes video were about how oh well everyone was so nice to me because I didn't know what I was doing on shooting a musical show and they they helped me when I didn't know where to go on set and I'm just like okay fine and also he made a joke about Tourette's in case you didn't think he was enough of a shithead already well that's not great but it was like 2007 <laughs> I know but I I stopped making excuses for Joss Whedon about five years ago so yeah. There's no excuses to be made. Yeah. Joss Whedon, the RuPaul of the nerd community. That's incredibly ass. Holy shit. <laughs> Don't put that on Twitter because then you'll have all the you'll have all the stands coming at you, Tanner. No, no, I've already I'm I'm getting that from a, a meme that was like three hands like connecting each other at the wrist, and it was like Joss Whedon, RuPaul, JK Rowling. Being progressive for the 90s, but never changing their standards or ideals at all. <laughs> yep. That's valid. I feel like Joss Whedon read Ready Player One and was like, I'm gonna be that. I'm gonna do that. That's gonna be me. I feel like it was the other way around. I feel like Ernest Klein saw Joss Whedon and was like, I'm gonna write a book. <laughs> Quite possibly. Uh, yeah. So... We're not ta- thankfully we're not talking about any of that today. <laughs> thankfully. Thank God. Today we need to talk about Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. Do we want to cover the what happened last time? Cuz what happened last time was what happened last time. It doesn't go into any depth at all. It's just like did you see it last week? Good. Moving yeah. on. Why yeah. is it like sarcastic? Are they trying to be quirky? Are they trying to be funny? It's not working. Yeah, yeah. they're trying to be quirky. <laughs> Yeah, because, fun fact, that's actually one of the writers of the show who's doing that voiceover. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. Anyway, it's time for Will to be called into Principal Ficken's office and meet Brian Ryan, whose parents hated him. <laughs> yeah, stupid name. <laughs> Played by Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris is incredibly hot, so, really, what can you do? Even saves a guy named Brian Ryan. Into having sex appeal. He he has sex appeal. Have you seen that jacket he wears? I'm I'm not gonna judge you. I'm gonna I'm vigil with your truth. Listen, I'm I'm relentlessly horny. I think. But I've never felt that way. Neil Patrick Harris has never stirred any of my loins, so I can't relate. But Vigil, I'm glad I'm glad. That you found something good in this episode. I'm very glad that you found something to enjoy in this episode of Glee Official. <laughs> Trust me, there's not much of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, since uh, we're talking about Neil Patrick Harris's sex appeal, how about that mullet? Yeah. So this whole thing is that Brian Ryan is here, and he's now part of the school board, and he was Will's high school Glee rival. And they went to school together in, like, 1991, and it's all 80s clothes and close-up magic and mullets. God. So if it didn't happen in the present day, it happened in the 80s. That's how time works. What about anything that I said made you think that I said present day? 
No, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's in the 90s, but they're dressed like the 80s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's just because culture takes at least two years to catch up in the Midwest. Um. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they did They did sing the first song of the episode mm-hmm. of many, of a lot more songs than I thought they could even fit into a single episode. Is this an oh, hour-long boy. show? I kind of lost track. Or 45 minutes, know. you know. You don't even know. Half of these songs don't count. That's fair. I mean, what yeah. song did he sing? He was singing something. They're singing Daydream Believer. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And it was all right. I mean, he's, the Broadway, the Broadway, the Broadway background, it shows. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the, the whole story of Brian Ryan is that he was Will's rival in Glee. Brian dated all of the girls that Will wanted to date, and he got all of the solos. And he, then after graduation, he went to go be a professional singer, including notably working the cruise ship circuit. Then he ended up with a drug addiction in, and I quote, the West Lima Crack District. (laughs) But cleaned himself up, got married to a woman, and runs a support group for former Glee members, including Molly Shannon. (laughs) Molly Shannon is still here? She's still here? (laughs) But I'd like to note that the other person who speaks from the Glee Rehab group is John Michael Higgins, (laughs) a.k.a. Varric from Korra, (laughs) and a.k.a. John Smith, the male judge from all three Pitch Perfects? (laughs) I don't know why he's here either. I don't know. (laughs) It's prep for Pitch Perfect. Maybe. (laughs) So... So much. This is still the first scene. So much. So much glee happens in this episode. Yes, mm-hmm. it's at least five hundred percent glee per glee. <laughs> There's really, I mean, after not having seen any of Glee for like I don't know, a nigh on a decade, maybe I don't know how time works. None of us do. It's twenty twenty. <laughs> this is probably a good, a good like reintroduction to the show. Because it did leave me wondering, like, is it supposed to be bad? I tweeted it multiple times. <laughs> I, a- I've, I asked genuinely multiple people. I don't know if they were genuinely trying to make a terrible show. But it, at least for oh. this episode, it feels like they couldn't have made it this bad unless they tried. Yeah. They were definitely trying to be... I like tongue in cheek. Aha, uh-huh, this is satire. Air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> this is satire, but maybe maybe you take it seriously too. Mm-hmm. Definitely by the second season, Glee was like, this is all just jokes unless we want you to not take it as a joke. Yes. I remember that being true. But yeah. Anyway, Brian Ryan's here to cut the Glee Club from the school budget because we haven't done that plot in a while. How many times does this happen? This is at least, what, the third or fourth time that they've gotten Glee threatened because of Budget Tanner? Like, basically every episode, they think of a reason to shut down Glee. Yeah. Okay. So, I feel like... And I've seen now one full episode of Glee. I feel like two things happen a lot in Glee. They try to cut the budget, and they go to regionals. I feel like those are the only two things that happen. Sometimes they also have relationship drama. Mm -hmm. Fair. There was a little bit of that. And sometimes they make really, really bad jokes. Most times, really. (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) 
<sighs> Who wants to talk about this depressing next scene? <laughs> Refresh my memory. Okay, so Brian Ryan has stormed into the Glee Club, and Will is like, take everything this man says with a grain of salt because he's trying to destroy the Glee Club. And mm-hmm. Bri Ryan is like, write down your dream on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And so... I, I, rem- I noted down what dreams everyone had. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, Puck, Puck wrote down threesome, and mm-hmm. Quinn wrote down no stretch marks. And Rachel wrote down huge star. <laughs> yeah. Blah, blah, huge bitch. Uh, and Artie wrote down that he wanted to dance, but without even looking at it, Brian takes the paper out of Artie's hands and crumples it up and throws it in the trash and says, Your dreams will never come true. Showbiz yes. dreams will never come true. Look at Will Schuster, his garbage person. He is. To be fair, he is. He's not yes. wrong. He's not wrong. But where he is wrong is that he then says some mean shit specifically to Tina, who starts to cry. Is Tina the one with the purple streaks? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I didn't catch any of their names. So. Tina's the Asian. Mm-hmm. Of course. And Micah's other Asian. You love to see it. You love to see it. Yeah. My my other note here is that as Brian Ryan continues to nag Will, there's like war drums playing in the background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's like there, there's like a there's like, you can faintly hear like a drum and fife in the background as Will's like, You will leave my kids alone and Brian's like but what if I don't? And then he storms out. Glee Club is cut. You made my decision easier. Yeah, it's something like that. It's dumb. <sighs> it's great dialogue, really. Fantastic stuff. So dramatic. Can you imagine how obnoxious this episode would have been if Joss got to write it too? Oh my god, it would have been disgusting. Somehow worse than it already was. Yes. <laughs> sure. Everyone would be quipping. There would have been a specific dance number just so that all the teenagers, or plausibly teenagers, could shake their butts. Shut up. I hate that. Rachel would have had a fight scene. You gotta have the strong, independent woman with the uh, purple streak in her hair. Mercedes would have had some ex- probably some extremely stereotypical and racist lines. I'm positive of it. Mercedes would have died. They would have given the the gay guy something, and it wouldn't have been nice or good at all. I mean, Kurt already doesn't have any lines in this episode. Yeah, I was gonna say, he doesn't talk at all, and that was the only character I could really remember. I thought his name was Finn, honestly. (laughs) No. (laughs) Finn's the tall boy. Yeah. Oh. Oh, right. Gosh. Look, I don't- I don't know. It's okay, Mitchell. It's okay. You did drop me on season one, episode 19. You asked for this, Vigil. I I asked if you wanted any context, and you said, no! (laughs) It's better this way, honestly. (laughs) It really Uh, is. It's it's better this way because then after this, you can just tilt your head to the side and it will all pour out your ears and you'll be free again. (laughs) Wouldn't it be funny if that actually happened? Time to go on with my life. (laughs) Uh, God, I wish. So in the next scene, Tina's wheeling Artie down. Here's the thing, is that people are always wheeling Artie down the hall, and you're not supposed to do that with people in wheelchairs normally. But I would like to think this is a subtle character moment for Artie, because Artie's also kind of an ass. Maybe not in this episode, Yeah. but in the big picture. (laughs) Kind of also in this episode. But he... Is this the library scene that you're talking about, Tater? I think so. 
I didn't write down where it took place. The part where they're in the library and she helps him get a book and he's like, I want to be a film director. And then oh, she's like, right. but also you kind of want, you said you wanted to be a dancer, right? <laughs> Why'd you lie to me? <laughs> By the way, really creepy of her to do that. Honestly, very creepy. To root through the trash like that. In her defense, she's either 15 or 16. Are they are they dating, by the way? I couldn't tell. They uh, are dating. The Thanks to the power of Madonna, Artie learned not to be sexist, and so now they're dating. Okay. Okay. I, I honestly wasn't sure. No, it's okay. Also, the episode was literally called The Power of Madonna. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. So... I'm probably not qualified to speak on whether something is good disabled representation because yeah. like physically disabled, but neither is Ryan Murphy. Neither not for that matter, neither is Kevin McHale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like I feel like this arty kid is not good at all at the job of representing disabled people. To be fair, You're I don't right. think any any of the minority groups are good at their job of representing the minority characters in this show. Quote from the show, we're all minorities, we're in the glee club. Yup! To, to be fair, that was Will's fault. And I would yes. say the kids who are the groups get better, but Artie, Kevin McHale can, Kevin McHale can walk. Kevin McHale is not disabled. Mm-hmm. Which you may have guessed by the fact that he has a whole ass dance number as Artie. Yeah, oh, we'll get to that. But that's later. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> All every single one of every single subplot or plot that focuses on Artie in the entire show's history is either about him being disabled or how much he fucks. Mm. Yeah. That's that's now that's good characterization, really. He does slay pussy on the daily. He has two things. He has sex and he can't walk. He has a one wheelchair and one fully functional penis. <laughs> and one appreciation of film. But that's never like relevant to his own plot. The the film the film studies is just another avenue for him to fuck more. <sighs> Christina, to... you didn't make it to season five. You don't understand. I've seen gifts. <laughs> you didn't make it to season five yet? And you and you say that you're the glee expert. No, I look, I never claimed to be an expert and I st and I think I tapped out sometime around the end of season 2. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad I'm not the only one on on this playing ground of oh, not yeah. knowing anything. Oh yeah, you're fine. So Tina declares, "Artie, you're going to dance." <laughs> And also, Will didn't give them an assignment for this week because he was too distracted by Brian Ryan. So let's ad-lib something. <laughs> too busy being emasculated. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? Probably. Everything seems to emasculate Will. Okay. Yeah, I mean... It happens a few times in this episode, from what I can remember. Yeah... A slight breeze can go by and we'll be like, I have been offended as a teacher, singer, husband, and father. He's not a father yet. <laughs> he, he, he's decided he's Will Finn's dad. He's not a husband yet either. He was a husband. He was a husband. Listen, let's not, let's not focus on my bad metaphors. 
wasn't even a metaphor. Let's yeah. not let's not focus on me. Let's focus on Jesse St. Honeypot. Vigil, do you have any thoughts on the bad boy of show choir, Jesse St. James? I have no clue who that is. Jonathan Groff. I have no clue who that is. The the guy the guy with brown curly hair in lots of black and gray. He also oh, has a leather jacket that guy. Rachel. I I couldn't I couldn't get a read on that fella. Now that you're bringing it up, I couldn't I don't know where he went. I don't know why he's coming back. I don't know why it's such a big <laughs> revelation why he's coming back. So this is Jesse, and he used to be a member of the evil show choir Vocal Adrenaline, but then he and Rachel started dating. And it was implied that they were dating because Shelby, who is the coach of Vocal Adrenaline, wanted Jesse to spy on the New Directions because they were a threat to the upcoming regionals tournament. I mean, it's only implied for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> and then, well, but also the previous several episodes. Yeah, that's true. But then Jesse broke up with Rachel because she made a music video <laughs> implying that she was in a polycule with Finn and Puck. And so he broke up with her and then he went on spring break. And now he's back, and he's like, everything's fine. This this all in under 20 episodes? This all in five episodes. In five episodes? Five episodes. Okay. Hello, Madonna. <laughs> Some other ones. Bad reputation. And then he was gone. Yeah. And then Finn sang the song Jesse's Girl because he wished he had Jesse's Girl, but he doesn't have Jesse's Girl. Jesse still has Jesse's Girl. That's... And that would be Rachel. Rachel. She's a huge yes. bitch. It seems like her entire thing is that she has two evil gay dads and she just <laughs> wants to see her mom. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, that's the vibe that I got. I feel like she hates her dads or something. Or that the dads are written to be the bad guys in Rachel's story. <laughs> you know... Th that probably wasn't the intention, but now that you mention it... I can understand where you're getting that from, Vigil. From this episode? From the yes. episode? From the Glee that I watched? Yes, I can understand that conclusion. Her absent gay dads who couldn't be with her to go to the doctor when she had laryngitis and nearly died. She didn't nearly die. From laryngitis? She Rachel specifically would have died from laryngitis. Oh, fair. She seems to be a very one-trick pony. Yep. Yep. The previous episode was her learning that she doesn't have to be a one-trick pony from another disabled person, and I'm sensing a theme here. Mm-hmm. Of evil gay dads and magic disabled people. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then she went back to being a one-trick pony immediately. Next episode. Yeah. yeah. But I think, I get what you're saying, because I think as much as Glee wants you to think it's about found family, it puts a lot of stock in blood relations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which comes to a head in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of being one-trick ponies, Jessie shows up to Rachel when she's practicing in the ballet studio, and she's like, I want to star on Broadway as exactly three roles. Evita as Funny Girl. Not even Fanny Bryce as Funny Girl. And as Laurie from Oklahoma. So I want to play three ingenues. Are those all three characters from Oklahoma? I couldn't tell. I don't no. know anything about musicals. No. Um, Evita is the title character from the musical Evita, which is about an Argentinian uh, politician lady 
She was played by Madonna in the movie. It's where Don't Cry From yeah. the Argentina comes from. Hmm. Funny Girl is about Fanny Bryce, who is an who who is a musician and performing artist who becomes famous when she decides just because I'm Barbara Streisand doesn't mean that I can't be the leading star of a musical, and she becomes a star. <laughs> and Oklahoma is Oklahoma features Laurie, who is the girl next door, and. All she does is she has feelings about which one of the two main male characters she wants to date, and she has a dream ballet. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty much the only thing I picked up on, is the dream ballet. Yeah. And Rachel's like, we're, we're supposed to think about dreams this week, Jesse. And he says, and I quote, a dream is something that fills up the emptiness inside. The one thing that, if you know it came true, all of the hurt would go away. Bad fucking definition. Too much stock put into the power of, like, having a dream. Mm-hmm. Fucking, this this guy's a dipshit. What was that dumb shit he said? <laughs> That's I not mean, a dream. That's not a dream. That's a want or some shit like that. Yeah. And then he's like, after they're like, oh, yes, I love you, let's hug. And they walk back out into the hallways of school. And he's like, but what's your real dream? What do you really dream about, Rachel? And she's like, well, I guess I miss my bio mom. And he's like, let's find her. <laughs> real real suspicious of her, by the way. Yeah. Like her I said, Jesse St. Honeypot. <laughs> and that, that also comes to a head in this episode. Or I guess the, that plot line is introduced. I don't know if they talk about that earlier in the show. Yeah, they brought it up a couple times, but that's about it. Mm. Yeah, this this really is like. So we know that she doesn't know who her mom is, but this is the first time she's ever like. Actually, I need to know who my mother is now, and it's because of Jesse. <laughs> you can just introduce character traits to a character twenty episodes in, and it's fine. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's ready for a scene that's cute and then it's extremely heartbreaking? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yes, let's do it. Okay, so we get to go from that to Artie and Tina as they practice a tap routine. And it's cute because she's dancing and he's got specifically taps on his wheelchair wheels. And mm-hmm. they do, it's, you know, there's not a lot of nuance that you can do when you're putting taps on a mechanical device but it's it is fun and he's like i feel like i'm doing quap though (laughs) and she's like but it's okay we don't have to be perfect we're high schoolers and he's like "Mm." i gotta be perfect what is the accident that happened to him because they don't mention it at all they mention an accident Uh, I feel car like accident. he was yeah. in the same car yeah, crash. Yeah, car accidents, that, always. Um, and I would like to think it was the same car crash that killed Kurt's mom, but that's neither relevant nor canonical. Mm, yeah. I figured it was a car accident. Drunk yeah. driving, distracted driving, what have you. There are two There are two reasons that somebody's paralyzed in a TV show. Yeah. You're not wrong, but yeah. And Artie's like, what if I used arm crutches to dance? I borrowed these spare arm crutches from the kid who got cerebral palsy. I hate this scene so fucking much. Yeah. I think this is the scene that made me realize that Artie is kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. 
But yeah, he tries to he tries to use the crutches to get around, and he's able to support himself for like three steps before he crashes to the ground. And it's not great. <laughs> and then and then he blames Tina. Yeah. He's yeah. the one he's the one who brought the crutches, first of mm-hmm. all. And yet he's still like, You pushed me to do this, and she's you like You did this to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she's like, Can I help you in any way? How can I help? And he's like, Live now and never come back. <laughs> <laughs> Where did that voice come from? It came from that comes from watching a lot of they're taking the hobbits to Isengard when I was in middle school. Oh my gosh. <laughs> of course. I mean, look, it's it's incredible and sometimes the voice just gets stuck in your head. Also, am I wrong? Not at all. That's Not exactly really. what he sounded like. You're pretty on point, yeah. And they linger on him for a bit too long, it feels like. Yeah. It's gratuitous, really. Look at this disabled person suffer. Don't you feel bad for them? Exactly. I'm blaming Joss Whedon again. Fuck you, Joss. Is this the scene where they're like, where Will's like, you know what? Let me buy you a beer to Brian. Yeah, so. (laughs) You can't feed a child sheet music, Will. I mean, you could, but they'd be dead in a month. Here, here's my notes. Here's my entire notes for this scene. Will finds Brian in the home ec room. Will's shirt is suspiciously open. Kids get ready to work for McDonald's. Can't feed a child sheet music. Can I buy you a beer? <laughs> and my note here is this could be the setup for something entirely different. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That scene at the bar is insufferable, by the way. It is, but we're not quite there yet. Okay, right. First, it's time for Rachel's uh, conspiracy theories. Oh, of course. I forgot about this scene. About herself being the chosen one. <laughs> I actually do kind of like this, because it's just... It's the kind of Rachel I like, where she's That's manic, true. but not in an unlikable way. Yeah. Yeah. Because... Here, Tanner, you take this scene. Okay, so Rachel was researching her mother... And she has decided that her mother is Patty Lupone because Patty Lupone was in a touring production that passed through Ohio. And then she took a break that was coincidentally like nine, the nine months during which she would have been given birth to Rachel or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then Jesse's like, are you saying that your father's impregnated Patty Lupone and Akron? Was Mandy Patinkin in on this? And then, and then Rachel says that she also has research proving that her mom is Bernadette Peters. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That was a really funny joke. I, yeah. I'll give it to them. Yeah, that that was a good joke. And then Jesse says, "But what if we went through every single paper about you that your dads have kept in the basement?" And it, and then it gets bad again. Yeah, and then it gets bad again. My first note for this one is Dreamweaver. <laughs> Oh, God, who wants to take this scene? This is the bar scene? This is the bar scene. Okay. Oh, boy. I remember this one pretty... I remember this one pretty well. So, they're talking about the the good old high school days, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Will's like, 
man, you know, you got every girl in Brian's like, except for one. And apparently it was uh, Will's ex-wife. Mm-hmm. And they just, they just fucking talk. And eventually it's like, I was pulled out of this dark space by Glee Club. And then Brian has a mental breakdown. And is like, I want to sing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they talk about how they're going to audition for Les Mis. And they sing Piano Man to an entire bar, which is completely fucking insufferable and is the most theater kid shit that has ever happened. You're not wrong, Vigil. <laughs> I mean, they they show, like, they cut to, like, people smiling and some people looking directly mm-hmm. at the camera in the background. But you know yeah. if this actually happened and people were singing Piano Man loudly in a bar, somebody would yell, Shut the fuck up! Yeah. <laughs> I was all but yelling it at my screen. No, that's valid. I'm glad that you say said, that I've never sang along to Piano Man. I don't even know the lyrics. It's not a very good song. It's a fine it's, song. It's. I don't mm-hmm. care. It is an overhyped song. Yeah. I gotta say, though, both of them, great voices. They, the the yeah, characters Patrick can Harris is better than Matthew Morrison. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> My my only other note for this is that it feels like this is the setup for a fic where the rival where the people who are rivals in high school end up auditioning for the same part and then along the way they discover their love for each other they've been burying over all these years. It's the setup for at least eight fics on AO3. I haven't checked fanfic.net yet. Do you mean eight fics involving Brian and Will? Yes. <laughs> Holy shit. I mean of course. Of course. Of course. It was it was Glee. It was the early two thousands. People would do that. Er- yep. Let's ship the two white men. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have a lot of other options. Nope. Yeah, that's there true. are only two guys in the show that weren't white. <laughs> well, one and a half. Sorry, Matt. Well, I, I was gonna say Mike, and Figgins and Matt, and yeah, that's it. Twelve on fanfiction.net. Thank you. Oh no. Thank you, Tanner. But are they repeats? Are they repeats? I don't know. Because I know no, that people cross post AO3 so. and fanfiction sometimes. Because I don't think chronologically there's any overlap. Awesome. So that's like 20 total or something like that? Yes. Wow. Jesus. People, people, really, people really like grasping for straws, huh? Welcome to Glee, Vigil. <laughs> I mean... To- Here's the thing, if it was a fanfic you were writing during the first season, that was all you had, because your options were writing for Finn and Rachel, or figuring something else out. Just ship Kurt with another one of the gay characters. Which what ones? other gay characters? There were no other gay- Kurt was the only homosexual in season one. Well, one of the other white men, you know what I mean. Yeah. Usually he got paired with Puck, because they wanted to see that twink obliterated. Absolutely. That, I can see that. But we don't have time to reenact that right now. No. <laughs> Instead, we're going to tell. We're going <sighs> to quickly switch over to Tina and Artie. And Artie's like, sorry, I was angry. And Tina's like, don't worry. We're going to find the doctors that will fix your spine. Mm hmm. And then she's like, look at all the ways that science can help with stem cells and electrical implants. And they kiss, and it's kind of cute, but also I wish that she wasn't the one doing all of this work to help Artie. Yeah. I wish the the kiss wasn't couched in the concept of, hey, you know what's great for you, my disabled boyfriend? Fixing you. 
Ugh. Ugh. <sighs> I, uh, I don't quite see it as that. Mark, well, also because Artie has in the past like had some pathos about you know being disabled and stuff and even if this episode is the first time he said he wishes that he wasn't but i i, I think it in my opinion it's kind of half one half the other i just personally whenever there's a story involving a disabled person and part of it revolves around them removing their disability i side eye that hard unless a disabled person wrote that oh yeah. yeah that's a good point that's a good absolutely. point absolutely that's the whole scene, basically. Yeah, that's the whole scene. Um, Boring scene, but it sets stuff up later. Mm-hmm. It sets up yeah. a, a fun one later. Mm. <laughs> also, who wants to take the next scene? I'm not sure what the next scene is, because the fir- my first note for the next scene just says teeth. teeth. Oh, I can take this one. <laughs> Unless you want to, Vigil. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> okay. I don't remember the order of events. I just remember sporadic events that happen. It's okay. I don't think there's ever been a Glee episode that has good pacing. No. Actually, no. There was... I feel like there was one. It was like three... It was like two or three episodes ago, and it was good. Was it Home? Maybe. I can't remember. I tilted my head to the side, and a whole bunch of Glee information fell out. (laughs) (laughs) Just spill Glee from your memory. Mm Mm-hmm. Ugh. I wish. So, the... The next scene is Rachel and Jesse going through the oldest baby boxes that Rachel had in her basement. Um, because apparently her, her two dads hoarded everything, including an ornament that is filled with her baby teeth, uh, an ultrasound where Jesse and Rachel agree that she is doing the fifth position of ballet in utero, and a trophy from her first singing competition from when she was eight months old. Yeah, this scene sucked too. <laughs> yeah. She was and, very musically verbal. Yeah. When when Rachel isn't looking, Jesse reaches into the pocket of his flannel and pulls out a cassette tape that is marked from mother to daughter. And then he's like, Rachel, look what I found in this baby box of yours. You should listen to it now. You want to listen to it now because you really should listen to it now. And he's she's like, actually, no, you're creeping me out. Please leave. <laughs> No, she's not creeped out by Jesse because Rachel has no uh, sense of self-preservation. This is true. Her, her reasoning for why Jesse should leave is, what if she sings on the tape? What if she's terrible? Or worse, what if she's better than me? Ah, your mileage may vary. Rachel is the worst. Like, I definitely understand, I can definitely understand the anxiety of not wanting to listen to it immediately, because sometimes you just gotta be anxious about something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he leaves. Time for the next scene. Mm. I love cutting between plots. Honestly. Cutting from plot to plot is the best way to resolve your multiple plots. Oh, Glee does that a lot. So there's a lady singing Hey Big Spender, because I guess, I don't know if this is a, a something in all pop culture or just in Glee, but Hey Big Spender seems to be the go-to song for bad audition songs. It might just be in Glee. Maybe it's just in Glee. And if I had a nickel for every time someone whiffed an audition while singing Hey Big Spender, I'd have two nickels. Which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. Yeah. Exactly. Um, 
So Will and Brian are auditioning for the community theater production of Less Miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so Will and Brian are both auditioning for the local community theater production of Les Mis, and they're both auditioning for the role of Hugh Jackman. And uh, the, so. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny joke, Taylor. So, and I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a song from the show called "The Impossible Dream," and that's what Will was going to audition with. No, I'm, okay, never mind. Then I don't know that, shit. That's from that's from Man of La Mancha, which oh, is an, which is the right. Don Quixote musical. There was a Don Quixote musical. I love there Don Quixote. A, there is a Don Quixote musical. There's fun fact. There's so there is a YA book called Spinning Out, and it's about two friends who join the their high school production of Man of La Mancha. But also, the guy who plays Don Quixote turns out to just actually have schizophrenia. But it handles shit way better than Glee ever could, so. Well, Tanner, you see, the barf that Glee is putting out is extremely low. <laughs> and yet, here we are. And yet. So, Will was gonna sing The Impossible Dream, and Brian Ryan's like, I was also gonna sing The Impossible Dream. And then Will mm-hmm. says, but then I changed it to Aerosmith Stream On. And Brian Ryan's like, I also changed it to <laughs> Aerosmith Stream On. And then they get into a fight because you copied me! You copied me! You copied me, teacher! He copied me! And the, di- the director says, fuck you, I run a dry cleaners. <laughs> Sing your audition as a uh, homoerotically charged duet. Absolutely how auditions for plays work, by the way. A hundred percent. I copied this concept for my own season four fanfic, but I did it better because I am not Joss Whedon. <laughs> Very true. Thank you for not being Joss Whedon. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Tanner. I appreciate it. Sorry for being Joss Whedon. Some crimes are (laughs) non-forgivable. I have thoughts about this music scene, because I liked this scene a lot. I have some minor thoughts about this music scene. You can go first. Basically, just, there's, it's a lot of them making direct eye contact, and then just kind of like, parkouring and jumping up and down the unfinished set um yeah i per if i was the casting director in this case i would go with brian for jean valjean simply because he has the better vocal range and has a demonst has demonstrated that he has a good falsetto and then when (laughs) when they collapse at the end of the number after having sung they just like they just sit there not facing each other and painting and i'm like hmm you see, I was gonna say Neil Patrick Harris would be a bad Valjean. His voice is too high. Yes. This is actually a terrible number to audition for Valjean with. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Um but I lo- I do like I like the set. I like how like carefully carefully like unfinished it is. Like I like the artificial the artificial, like, mess that they've made. And I was watching it with Emma, and she's actually seen Les Mis, so she can speak more. She said that yep. it's, like, half supposed to look like that, because it could be, like, from the scene where they stack a bunch of shit in town to make mm-hmm. a wall, and half, yeah. you know, like, carefully unfinished set that... But that's... I didn't know the first bit. I do like, uh... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just like how... how it looks. And I like the musical number, too. I like Aerosmith, so. Mm-hmm. And, like, that as a duet. It is a very sexually charged duet. 
I have. Yes. I'll give that to you. I, I just. I don't know. I just like the scene. This is this is the good part of Glee when they sing good songs and they do it good. Yes. That pretty much covers anything I could have. I. I had no thoughts on this scene. <laughs> oh, I have fun trivia about this. Oh, I have. I have one note that just says, "Will rub your face." I don't know what that means. Maybe he probably because there was a point where he was like. It was probably, like, the, like, all these lines on my face getting clearer, and he, like, rubbed his face, like, look at my face, look at my age lines, Brian. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm 28, I'm so old. <laughs> I mean, no damn, that's a mood. Jesus. Anyway, my, my trivia for this musical number is that when they recorded the studio version, Matthew Morrison was sick, so it roughed his voice up. <laughs> and they all were like, sure, let's go for it. It's fine. It'll be fine. You'll survive. Time to go back to Artie and Teeny, y'all. Oh boy, my favorite. This is they 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 really do have the the best scenes just loaded in the middle there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we get to then go to Artie and Tina and they're at the mall. And Artie has just bought tap shoes. Because make your dreams not be dreams. Make them reality. He's about to start on all the therapies. <laughs> I got on all the therapies, and they're working. Yes, all of them at once. <laughs> all the stem cells, all of the electrical implants that my body can hold. I am now more cyborg than man, and it is time for me to dance. I'm pretty sure that's how Deus Ex started. <laughs> <laughs> um. Safety dance, human revolution. <laughs> I was gonna say, as soon as they fucking, as soon as he says ass, I was like, they're not fucking doing safety dance. I hope they're not doing safety dance. And then they do safety <laughs> dance, and I'm like, god damn it. And yeah. He's, he starts, like, rapping it at first. And I'm like, what are you doing? He also, he brought the CD with him to plug into the mall <laughs> sound system. Yeah. Which is just in the middle of the food court. I hope you don't yeah. mind. I brought some pre-prepared <laughs> instrumentals. <laughs> <sighs> I had a question about this scene. Was it like an actual flash mob, or yes. was it just supposed so, yeah, to look like it that? actually was? Okay, so it did actually happen, and that was that was all like camera footage from like people recording it for real. Yeah. yeah. So like, okay. so this musical number is it's the safety dance. Um, it's a fl- it is a flash mob style dance. It's led by Artie, but also featuring Mike, Brittany, Tina, Mercedes, Kurt, and Matt. And also, I think that Shelby Rivera is in the dance group as well, which which is nice. Um, but it's you know the kind of improv everywhere thing that could only happen when you're making this in 2010. And it's it's a fun like flash mob number. More people join the musical number as they as it goes on and civilians are filming and stuff on handheld camcorders and cell phone mm-hmm. cameras. <laughs> oh, 2009, 2010. <laughs> I really liked this. I really liked this musical number, y'all. Oh yeah. I mean, it was fun. What did you think, Tanner? I do like the song. Yeah, I like the song and I like the dance, but I don't like the framing at all. Yeah. Everything in a in an echo chamber in a vacuum. It's great. Yeah. So, w- would y'all like some trivia, or should we reveal the cunning conceit of this musical number? 
It was all a dream! <laughs> yeah. Brought on by hopes and stem cells and hot pretzels. <laughs> yeah. I would like the trivia, though. Yeah. Okay, so this they filmed this musical number in an actual shopping mall on its opening day. So the civilians that were filming were actual, like, people shopping and not plants. Okay. Um. Thank God. Yeah. Um. Apparently, at some point, Brian Ryan appears in the background, frowning because, oh, someone got their dream. I'm wrong. But I didn't pay enough attention to be able to see whether or not that happened. It was just on the Glee wiki. <laughs> it's good that the Glee wiki never lies. Also, uh, <laughs> also, Kevin McHale had to who had some previous dance training from when he was in a boy band, um, he had to relearn how to do choreography as dancing because he, at this point, he'd been doing 18 episodes of choreography in a wheelchair. <laughs> and he had to, like, he had to reset his brain to be a dancer. <laughs> Which was the only reason they hired an ale by person was because... They wanted to do one dream sequence dancing sequence, I guess. <sighs> mm -hmm. Could have just CGI'd it like the dancing baby. <laughs> <sighs> Thank you, I'll be here all week. <laughs> um. um, the last bit of trivia is that they went, when they were doing rehearsals for this, they had to practice on a sound on like a specifically built sound stage because there were so many people that they had to involve in this musical number. <laughs> <laughs> Should have just done it in a shopping mall, dumbasses. Should have just practiced in a shopping mall. <laughs> yeah, y'all ready for a really depressing number? A really depressing scene? Absolutely. I mean, as Glee, we're always on the cusp of one, anyways. Yep, time for the mood whiplash. Oh boy. Oh wait, but first it's time for hate sex. Yeah, that's what oh. I meant. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, right. I, I meant I that this scene is depressing. <laughs> meta, meta, it's meta depressing. Depressing that we had to witness it. Yeah, I it don't is. understand the, it doesn't really stick out in the show at all, like, beyond. This is just a one-off character, I would assume. So I don't know why they threw in this scene, and I don't know why they threw in the fact that uh, Jane Lynch installed a sex room into her high school, like, place of employ. <laughs> yeah, that's what concerns me the most. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that had to be a thing, but... Yeah. Just whatever. Which among- who among us can recap this in the most painless way possible? Oh god, I thought you were gonna say, who amongst us hasn't installed a secret sex room at work? <laughs> I mean, I have. Um... So, she, he goes in to talk to Jane Lynch about the Cheerios, and I genuinely thought for, like, half the scene that they were talking about, like, food at the, at the food court? Or at the, at the concession stand? I had to turn to my girlfriend, and I was like, who are the Cheerios? And she was like, oh, I think, I think there's a cheer squad. Um, and then Neil Patrick Harris is like... Oh, but do the the arts and music program has these benefits, and Jane Lynch was like, "Oh, but the sports program has these benefits," and blah blah blah. And then they're like, "I let's have hate sex," and then Jane Lynch is like, 
let's have sex in the room that I installed to have sex at work, where I work with children. Yes. That's exactly what happened in the scene. That's the scene. (laughs) I don't don't get it. I just don't get it. I don't get it either. (laughs) Jane Lynch is contractually obligated to show up in one episode, or one scene in episode. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, which I, her her presence is appreciated. Is she a failing? Is she a failed actor too? She is now. <laughs> well, no, no, I mean in the in the in the sh- in the canon of the show. Oh, no, no, but there was gonna be a deleted scene in one episode that implied she was. Really, every adult, every single adult. Yeah, there was there was gonna be a scene. I think in season two. Where they would flash back to her youth and she would sing Oklahoma from Oklahoma. And it would imply that, like, her dreams were crushed and so now that's why she tries to crush other people's dreams. Mm-hmm. But, but no, she, she's never, she never tried musical theater until she tried to use it against the Glee Club. Gotcha. Okay. So she's just an asshole. Yes. Yes. Gotcha. It just feels like so many characters in the show are failed actors. Oh, you haven't even, you didn't even get to meet April Rhodes. Oh, boy. And I never will. <laughs> That's true. So anyways, the let's, let's talk about real suspicious shit. Yeah. Oh, boy. So, Jesse St. Honeypot gets into a car while it's raining dramatically outside in the middle of the night. And he's like, I am becoming the mask and falling in love with my target of seduction, Rachel Berry. I was going to pretend to date her at first because I thought it would be a good acting exercise. (laughs) (sighs) Which, to be fair, is a very high schooler thing to do. Mm Mm-hmm. A very theater kid thing to do. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) And then it cuts over to... Shelby Corcoran, a.k.a. the lady that Will made out with one time, who is also the coach of Vocal Adrenaline, Vocal Adrenaline, the evil show choir. A.k.a. Adina Menzel, a.k.a. Elsa from Frozen. Okay, I I genuinely thought that um, this was the same actress as Rachel. For like, (laughs) until they were on the- until they were on the screen together, I thought it was the same actress. (laughs) Oh my god. So here's the thing, is that in the no, first we'll half get, of the season, we'll, we'll get we'll get to that, Tanner. We'll get to that. <laughs> okay, okay, go. Unless we want to talk about it now, I mean, we might as well. In, in yeah, the go first for half it. of the season, when we didn't know who Rachel's mom was, people were like, "Oh, you should catch Idina Menzel as her mom because Idina Menzel and Leah Michelle look so much similar to each other." And then Ryan Murphy did cast Idina Menzel, and he went on social media and he was like, "Listen, I cast Idina Menzel, but she's not playing Rachel's mother." And then in <laughs> the scene, we find out that she's playing Rachel's mother. Yep. So, it's so tricky. It's so fun that you can just lie to your fans. Honestly, and you never I, think, I think creators should lie to their fans more often. I think cre- the creators and fans have gotten too chummy with each other. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. All this is to say that uh, Shelby tells Jesse that he has to make Rachel listen to the tape because Shelby misses Rachel, who is a daughter that she never got to hold, because Shelby agreed to be the surrogate to Rachel's two gay dads because she wanted to be an actress and needed money to get to New York. And then she never got to hold Rachel, and now she's like, I need to touch my daughter. This is creepy. That, 
It's it is creepy. It really is. Yeah. Like I could understand, you know, like wanting to reunite with this child that you never got to know because I feel like I hear about that happening a lot, especially with people who give kids up for adoption. But the fact that she specifically like student of mine i need you to go and trap my biological daughter into making contact with me of her own volition (laughs) it's horrible this is parent entrapment yeah when you say it like that (laughs) yeah this whole thing is concerning i'm concerned i'm i am worried yeah like you usually usually in plots like this we're like the parent has tracked down the child that they gave up, it's because they need them for a kidney or some shit. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, horrible. Anyway, time for a depressing scene again. (laughs) A different depressing scene. There's a bunch of those. Yeah. The scene is basically that Emma and Artie talk because he's like I want to prepare for the dramatic life change that will come when I regain the use of my legs due to all of these wonderful medical studies and developments that Tina helped me research and by Tina helped me research I mean Tina researched and then told me about them and Emma points out might I add (laughs) yeah because Emma points out to Artie that actual making a medical development widely available takes multiple years to even get to the point where they are testing on human patients and then she's like maybe you should come talk to me once a week for the depression and therapy and he's like okay i guess i'll go and he wheels out of the room sadly (laughs) the show sucks when it's trying to be dramatic (laughs) speaking of it sucking when it's trying to be dramatic so, so Brian walks into the club room, and he's got, like, mm-hmm. a box full of custom jean jackets for everybody, because he siphoned money away from the Cheerios. So mm-hmm. everyone gets jean jackets and tearaway dancewear and every piece of sheet music from every Broadway show for the past 50 years. Mm-hmm. And then Sue walks in, and she's yeah. like, and congratulations, William, you will now be Hugh Jackman on Les Mis. And Brian is townsperson number two, who has one line. Hooray! (laughs) (laughs) And he dramatically snatches back the the bag, or no, not the bag, he snatches back the box of sheet music and dancewear, and storms out. And declares that he's now, he's cutting Glee again. Glee has been cutted at least three times in this episode alone. Yeah, and I'd like to note here that all of the all of the teens gave wonderful reaction shots that were just really like you could tell all of them had varying degrees of like, for fuck's sake, really, Will? <laughs> hey, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think anybody really ever cheers in Les Mis. I'm pretty sure it's like a depressing play all throughout. Yeah, much oh, like yeah. in Glee, nothing good happens in Les Mis. So when the fuck is he gonna say hooray? Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe when they first put up the, the barricade. And he's like, yeah, we did it. And then he dies. <laughs> <sighs> maybe he Only. sees... Maybe he sees Javert hurl himself into the sea. 
<laughs> that he's like, hooray! 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 That was good, Pitchell. Thank you. I, 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 I emulated my best Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> because all this is to say that then Will goes to where Brian Ryan is rehearsing at the community theater and he is doing he is doing essentially what Vigil just did. He's standing in a stairwell and going, Hooray! <laughs> and Will's like, Hey, Brian! And Brian is so jaded and upset to see Will that he goes to sit down at a table and eat a plate of scrambled eggs and Hulk strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like it looked like just assorted fruit. I didn't know that there were scrambled eggs just sitting there. That's worse. I couldn't tell if it was scrambled eggs or fruit. It was yellow chunks of something. Fruit Could have salad been pineapple. and scrambled eggs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you you leave you just leave your paper plate and fork of fruit and scrambled eggs just sitting around while you uh, practice for your part. You don't you? That's you. That's what you were allowed mm-hmm. to do in 2010. Yeah. Can't do that That's shit in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> Before all this corona shit. Yeah. Somebody's gonna come up and cough on your eggs. Yeah. And then Will gets to have a whole do it for the kids, Brian, speech. Because he, he shows Brian the yearbook with the picture of the kids that they took like 10 episodes ago, something like that. And he's like... Brian, you need to- you can't cut Glee, because these kids, they might not be stars, but they shine like them. And then he's like, you know how black holes are what happens when a star dies? You cutting Glee is going to create 13 black holes. <laughs> no, and, I understand and, the text you said and, the last night. Yeah, because I, I, have, I have two notes here, because my first note was, who is the 13th person that Will is referring to? It's because himself. I forgot that Jesse St. James existed and was part of this particular glee club. <laughs> I forgot he was part of the Privileged Misfits. And then, because I was watching this last night at 9pm, my brain connected two points and said, Organization 13 Black Holes. <laughs> <laughs> that pretty and much bra- happened to them in the end. Yeah. Anyway, Brian is just sitting there. He's like, you think I care about some dumb teens? <laughs> then Will's like, well, you don't have to care about the dumb teens, but will you not cut the club if I give you the role of Jean Valjean? And he's like, okay. <laughs> they just, yeah, he's like, okay, thanks, bye. <laughs> cool deal. Yep. Is, is that a series rap on Brian Ryan? Series rap on Brian Ryan. Ni- neither he nor Joss Whedon shall ever show their faces on the show again. Good. Good. Well, good. Good about Joss Whedon. Not so fine, good I guess, Neil for Patrick Brian Ryan. <laughs> Can't believe we're all sitting here in the Glee fandom, like all through the rest of the show, thinking, "Oh man, this show would be so much better if only Joss Whedon would come back." I mean, I think that about every show. I just want one or two episodes in every show directed by Joss Whedon, just to see what it's like on the other side. She-Ra. No! Yeah, yeah 22. American Horror Story. 
How would that be any different? <laughs> Adora, you have to take off your shoes. This, this is the... Wait, Joss doesn't have a thing for feet, does he? He absolutely does. Oh, I thought that was just... Oh, I thought Quentin yeah, Tarantino was the only... I thought Quentin Tarantino was the only person with a foot fetish. No, absolutely, Joss Whedon. Well, that's... I'm not gonna be able to pour that out of my ear anytime soon. <laughs> Vigil, why did you do this to us? <laughs> because I hate you. <laughs> this is mentions. This is what we get for dragging people onto our podcast, kicking and screaming. I can't believe this bit us. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that I can share new information with my friends every now and again. <laughs> I feel I feel blessed, you know? This really is a blessed night. Anyways. Um, Jesse has broken into Rachel's room. This is fine. Yes. Yes. It's- he he shows up, and Rachel comes into the room, and she's like, Jesse, what are you doing in my bedroom? And he's like, I am here to play the tape that was that is definitely from your mother that you that we heavy air quotes here found in your baby box. And she's like, No, I am not ready. And he's like, Play. And then he just walks out through a connecting door. Fucking climb through her window. Mm-hmm. I would sing Come to My Window, but that's not a song for Rachel, because she's not a lesbian. Get oh. out my window. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then they sing I Dreamed a Dream. Yeah. That one's from Les Mis. Mm-hmm. Sung by Susan Boyle. Yeah, it was, yeah Susan Boyle. I remember mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Does anyone remember Susan Boyle? Hey, I do. remember Susan Boyle? Hey, re- hey remember Susan Boyle? Hey, remember Flash Mobs? Remember uh, remember when you sang with the Beatles? Remember when you could make <laughs> make a plot poorly about disabled people? And it's just fine. Yeah. So do y'all have notes on this? Because I have some notes. Yeah, yeah, so... So Shelby doesn't introduce herself, but she says, Hello, unknown daughter. I, I will now sing at you my feelings. And then she starts singing I Dream Dream, and then R- Rachel joins her in the dreamscape to have a psychic mm-hmm. duet with her. Yes. My only note is how funny it was to switch from the crackly cassette audio to the studio quality singing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's the thing, is that this is also a cross-time duet. Because Rachel is clearly listening to this tape during the day, and then Shelby is singing along to it in the rainy, dark, moody car that she spoke to Jesse in about four scenes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, she just hasn't left that car. <laughs> she's still sitting in the car and crying. It really leaves you wondering. Like, I genuinely, I thought they were just in, like, two different places and jesse was just flying between like minnesota and california or whatever (laughs) i guess it's ohio minnesota and ohio they're the same place pretty much most most states just blend together if they're not listen it's california texas illinois new york and the rest the midwest please 
Oh, and Florida. <sighs> You're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. The the notes I have on this is that you know what? This is this musical performance still holds up. Like I remember the time I remember back when I watched this episode live when it was airing and this is the episode and the musical number in specific that when it happened I had to call one of my fellow friends who watched Glee and we had to talk about how we knew it and how this musical number was so good for like 20 minutes after the episode finished. And it's still it's still a pretty good musical number. And yeah. also and also this is the ultimate casting gag. It is. Yeah, I mean I I can I personally can definitely see that it's pretty good even if it's not to my tastes. I can see that like technically it's really good. Yeah. They do sing in it. And they do have good voices. And the set, oh my gosh, the set just perfect. Okay, come on, Vigil. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I'm serious. The set is really good. I like the dark I like like the dark background oh, okay. of the Okay. I'm not I wasn't even joking. I, cu- I couldn't tell if you were giving them shade or not. <laughs> no, I, d- I really did like the set. I appreciate, like, the symbolism of it. Mm-hmm. You know, taking place in Rachel's mind, or whatever. In the shared psychic dreamscape. <laughs> <laughs> okay, y'all, we're in the last two scenes. Let's bring it home. <laughs> oh boy, what happens in them? Um, Artie and Tina talk and... He's like, Tina, I think you should go dance with someone else. Because I have to focus on the dreams that I can make come true. Oh, yeah. And, and, Tina's, and Tina's kneeling. And it, and it makes it, and it's framed really weirdly. For some reason, I thought he was standing again. <laughs> yeah. The therapies worked. All of them. <laughs> <sighs> well, yeah. And she's like, okay, well, I mean, I guess if you don't want to if you don't want to dance, I can't force you to, but will you at least sing for it? And he's like, yeah, sure. And he watches her leave, and I still think he's depressed. <laughs> he is. Yeah. And then, thankfully, we get to go to the second-to-last scene. Because <laughs> y'all got any notes on this stuff, or do you want me to take it? Uh, it's they- for, I, I'm almost out of I think my last note is just the fact that the last song happens. They're going to regionals. Not yet. <laughs> That's in like four episodes. Okay, then I can I can summarize this real quick. Yeah, please. Um, when back in New Directions, aka the Privileged Misfits, um, they we get to walk back on. Hey, let's have some fun teen shenanigans. They do like a drum fill joke thing, and Will catches a football, and he's like. I have saved Glee by giving up the role of playing Hugh Jackman. And I think Finn has his only line in the episode, which is, I'm sorry you had to give up your dream, Mr. (laughs) Shoe. And he's like, that's okay. It's fine. Anyway, it's time for the last musical number, which is Dream a Little Dream of Me. Everyone's dressed to match Artie for the second time in the series. Um... 
it's a good song for Kevin McHale's voice. Mm-hmm. Um, Tina is conflicted, but she and Mike do a tap routine, which is fun and cute. They do a good job dancing. Yeah. Um, at the end of the number, Quinn, like, Quinn, like, politely rubs Artie's shoulder in sympathy. <laughs> so the Quinn and Artie shippers got some more, got some more bait this week. <laughs> And then it goes to cut to black on Mike uh, doing a dip with Tina. Remember this. <laughs> Absolutely. Also, fun fact. Harry Shum Jr. only had two days to learn how to tap dance before shooting this number. <laughs> but but he's just like, that good. Yeah, and good now for him. Harry Shum Jr. tap dancing is now part of his standard repertoire, so. I mean, it's, great, for him. That, it's yeah. great that you can like learn a skill and then just use it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's cool how things work like that. Damn, I wish that were me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I have one last bit of note for this, which is Neil Patrick Harris won an Emmy for Outstanding Guest Actor in a Comedy Series for this episode. You know what? Fine. Fine. <laughs> I will accept this. I guess. Why not? Oh, everyone in Dream a Little Dream uh, is just standing there and doing nothing and wearing shitty blue shirts, and Arya looks absolutely mm-hmm. miserable. <laughs> yep. This is how is it this, is on this bitch of an episode. Is this episode where Arya cucks himself? <laughs> yep. <laughs> he sure does. Congratulations, you cucked yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's it's done. It. Blessedly, it's done. that's it. The dream's over. I do have a closing thought. Yeah, go for it, Vigil. Why the fuck did the opening credits go on for so long? I feel like it, I feel like they went on for three scenes. Like I was like three scenes in, and it was the scene where fucking uh, Rachel was dancing to herself, and Jesse comes in, and the opening credits were still playing, and I didn't notice them until then. And I don't know if they like took a break or they only just started, but it feels like that's a weird fucking place to put them, right? It's, Three scenes into the show after the cold open, it's it's because they have like ten regulars, and then another eight guest stars, and then another five special guest stars. Plus, they have to put the director and the writer and the producer and the choreographer mm-hmm. and the vocal mm-hmm. director, and they don't group anyone together. Every single name is listed individually. I did not pay attention to any of that, so thank you, Tanner. I mean, I didn't pay attention to this specifically, but I'm I'm sure I've noticed it in other episodes. I've never had a reason to bring it up, but yes, Rachel, you're absolutely right. It's because they have so many people, and they they don't uh, unlike. Unlike a show such as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which has a single opening title sequence that can introduce a bunch of people at once, Glee refuses to have that, and so it introduces everyone name by name, everyone gets like three full seconds on screen, and then a second pause between, and it keeps going. So many names. Yeah, there were multiple times when I was like, this is the last one, I know it, and then a second, then it it, it pauses for like two seconds, and I'm like, oh shit, it's, it's the actual last one, and then another screen then another name pops on the screen i'm like god damn it yeah. they have to credit jesselyn gilsig as terry even though terry doesn't even show up in this episode fair you know what i get it I, fine so on that note vigil what we do here after we soldier through a single episode of glee is we first we give a gold star to one of the musical numbers 
Mm, dream on. I agree. I think I gotta make my. I have to make mine a uh, safety dance because it's just it's. I had a fun time watching it. Mm-hmm. That was sorry, like sorry, Rachel and Shelby. Uh, <laughs> I dreamed your dream is a second because safety dance is just fun. Yeah, fun, I would fun, say fun, fun to watch, fun to listen to. I was definitely gonna split mine between Dream On and Safety Dance, but I wasn't. No, I didn't know if I was allowed to do that. You're not allowed. Damn it! Only one song. It's okay. But you can mention it as an honorable mention, as we've done many times before, so that is noted. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not noted because we don't have an honorable mention column this season, but <laughs> it's noted in my heart. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then, other than a musical moment, what other gold star would you like to give out? Um... I don't remember the jokes that I laughed at, but most of them came from Neil Patrick Harris, so. <laughs> Do you just want to put down Neil Patrick Harris? Uh, yep, exactly. NPH. Um, my best moment would be Rachel's mom research. I felt that those were good jokes and they landed. They are. Those were also good jokes. Mm-hmm. What's yours, Christina? I think I'm gonna go with the Rachel's what the Rachel's conspiracy series about her mom joke too. Just because, like, I'm scrolling through the ep- like my notes, and I can't think of a like aside from safety dance because I don't want to double dip. I can't think of like a single scene that made me go, "Oh, I really like that." <laughs> Yeah, this was a bad episode. It feels like like I I guess I could give it to I to I dreamed a dream, but I think I'm gonna give it to just the the Rachel's mom being various Broadway actresses. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then for the worst moment, vigil. Which moment do you want to hit with a slushy? I was gonna make that same joke. Um... <laughs> 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 Which same joke about just how so the, much of it was nothing? The slushy. I didn't. I didn't realize that you say that at the end of the episodes, but same hat. <laughs> I figured that that was going to be what it was because that's the only thing I remember about Glee. Um, really, just the entire concept of the show is something <laughs> that I want to hit with the slushy. <laughs> oh my god! I I don't I I enjoyed myself. I can't, I can't, I genuinely, at multiple times, I couldn't stop thinking, is this intentionally meant to be a bad show? I know I mentioned that before, but it's just stuck in my mind. I don't know what the fuck went wrong so in the production. So it would be like the, the tone? I guess. I guess. I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like they I threw mean... together a lot of good musical numbers with, like, nice, like, stage production. Stage production asks like, backgrounds and like beautiful dance numbers and mostly good vocals but then it just it's just the rest of it is just i I don't know it's bad (laughs) no that's okay i think you should be allowed to to slushy the entire concept of the show yeah thank you what about you tanner my thing my worst moment specifically because uh this whole podcast acts as a slushing of the entire show in my opinion but so for me specifically I will give a slushy to uh, Shelby's uh, biological 
um, possessiveness. Okay, cool. That was gonna. I was trying to pick between two. So since you said that, I'm gonna make my slushy be Brian and Sue's hate sex. Oh God, yeah. I mean, yep, can we yep, truly yep, yep, judge yep. that we never got to see it? I'm judging the fact that they were like, let's make these two characters have sex. For no reason. For no reason. I think I think the reason was both the actors are gay and that makes it funny. <laughs> that, you know what? You're right. That does make it funny. <laughs> I'm still slushying it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hate it. I hate you're, it so you're marching up to the secret sex room, slushy in hand. <laughs> You throw the door open while the two of them yeah. are in flagrante delecto. And you just huck it right at them. Thank you, Tim Curry. Thank you, It gets you, in Clue. all of the crevices. Oh, thank you for the visuals, Tanner. Then you slam the door shut, and, and that's it. And then you burn down the school to hide the evidence. <laughs> just like Heather's. Anyways. Anyway. <laughs> Vigil? Thank you for thank you for suffering with us on this. Oh, my pleasure. We appreciate the solidarity. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean <laughs> I do not like this show. It turns out I thought I thought I would give it a chance, but it's just a bad show. <laughs> it's like funny bad too. I mean I think that's the po- I think that's the, the point of the podcast. Yeah. I think the fact That's that you managed to enjoy yourself response. in spite of it means that it's a win. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Vigil. The le- since, since we subjected you to this episode of Glee, the least we can do is give you a place to shout out and promote whatever you want to shout out and promote. So, what do you want to talk about? Uh, right now, I guess I'm mostly just making cocktails on Instagram. Uh... Mm-hmm. Which is which is a very fun hobby, and that's Instagram dot com, Instagram dot com yeah. uh, slash drinks dot buy dot vigil, I believe, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Vigil, like the the drinks that you make look so good. I'm like, Tim, I wish I could do that. You do make me want to drink more. Oh, it's easier than you'd think. You just got to spend a lot of money and buy. <laughs> You really just gotta spend a lot of money. And then mixing the cocktails comes after. Yeah. And then I'm over here just pouring vodka into a glass of sparkling water. You know what? That's valid. It's a vodka soda. Um, other than that, my Twitter is half vigilante and <sighs> I guess follow my girlfriend on Twitter at Up Hauntings because she's nice. Mm-hmm. Can't confirm. Emma's a very nice person. You're both nice. Yeah. Are. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're welcome. That's... We would we wouldn't be saying it if it wasn't true, Vigil. <laughs> well, it's not. But okay. Uh, yeah. That's all I have. All right. And loser like me is a part of the Corner Podcast Network, and we can be found on your podcasting platform of choice. And if we aren't there, let us know, and we'll work on getting there. We can be found on Twitter at loserlikemepod and through loserlikemepod at gmail.com via email. Next time, I uh, know, Vigil, I have to ask you, I think this is the fifth time I've asked you, but do, do you want to come back next week? 
Yes. Because I want to, I want to remind you when you, so we are we asked if you wanted to come on and you asked for an episode that you didn't realize wasn't until season four. So when I showed you the episodes left for season one, you couldn't pick between the two, and so you just laid claim to both of them. I remember this, and I do. I remember why I couldn't choose, and I would really, really enjoy watching the next one as well. Alright, so next week, Vigil's back. Um, Finn and Kurt both get to say lines. And um, we're gonna remember remember Lady Gaga, but like in her heyday. Not current Lady Gaga, but like vintage Lady Gaga. Poker mm-hmm. face. Mm-hmm. We're gonna poke someone's yep. face, alright. And, and that's, that's what, what you missed, missed on, on Glee. Glee. That was a disaster. Too bad, you only ever got one take. <laughs> <laughs> Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now As we riff the show Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out Why we love this show Better grab your golden stars and slushies Cause you're listening You're listening To loser like me Loser like me Loser like me they're they're both auditioning. For, hang on, I have to check something for a joke. And we pause. Tanner, cut this. Or Christina, cut this if you want me to edit it, Tanner. All right, Christina, cut this, <clears throat> and then come back wait, in here. Wait, I need a joke. So. <laughs> <laughs> Only organic farm-grown jokes on this podcast. Yep, <laughs> I think I think this is the stinger now. Actually. <laughs> <laughs>